Hey, and welcome to Neon Nottingham's official podcast channel. Here you can hear all the best work from journalism students at Nottingham College. Alongside these unique one-off episodes of podcasts, you'll also be able to find student work over on our website at www.neonnottingham.com. Whether it's football or true crime, politics or mental health, there'll definitely be something for everyone. So make sure you click on that follow button to keep up to date with new episodes. And check us out on Insta too, at neon underscore Nottingham, for some behind the scenes and teasers. Hi, my name is Yasmin and this is the Born to Kill podcast, where we'll be talking everything about serial killers, the psychology behind it. In today's episode, we will be joined with David Murphy, a psychologist from the University of Nottingham. My name is David Murphy and I'm a professor of psychology and education at uh, the University of Nottingham. Um, I'm based in the department for our School of Education and I'm currently the the course director for a master's degree in person-centred and experiential psychotherapy. So um, how do you think psychology plays a big part in serial killers? I think it probably psychology has got a lot to a lot to contribute to that um uh i think knowing from my own approach to psychology which is very much based in and around the the work of somebody called carl rogers who is an american psychologist um he developed something called the person-centered approach um and i think what his sort of theory would say um is that by and large people will develop either more in constructive or more towards destructive uh ends in their life largely but not exclusively determined by their social environments so i think that psychology and certainly the idea of person-centered psychology is able to offer some um helpful ways of understanding through its theory of personality development in terms of why people might do really, really destructive things, such as I think serial killers or anybody that kills somebody else is doing something pretty seriously destructive. So yeah, I think psychology has got quite a lot to to say about that, actually. Tell about like um, people saying that it's due to their childhood or it develops do you feel like there's more psychological evidence that it's with childhood and certainly in the approach to psychology that i'm most familiar with um we would probably say that the kinds of behaviors that um result in somebody killing somebody else are largely going to have developed through 
uh, as a result of, I should say, um, as a result of their uh, personality and the way in which they perceive the world or the way in which they feel about themselves or the way in which they feel other people might feel towards them. So I think um, within our theory or the person-centered approach to psychology, somebody might develop uh, a self-concept, so an idea of themselves, you know, who they are, um, uh, based on lots of interactions over many, many instances with uh, significant others. So that could be their caregivers. It could be um, people who are responsible for their um, well-being. Later on, it could be... Um, peers as well you know certainly through adolescence peers have a quite substantial uh, influence on how young people adolescents develop perhaps even more so than their caregivers um, when they tend to rebel against their caregivers and try to fit in more with peers um, that can really shape how a person's self-concept is evolving but basically people then tend to feel like um, they need to have um, what we call positive regard from other people. So they need other people's approval or they need to believe that other people would um, think well of them or something. So I think that that shouldn't be underestimated in the extremes to which people will then act in order to be able to feel somehow that they have a sense of worth or a sense of purpose or um, will do things that mean that they can protect this idea of themselves as a self and, and their self concept. So yeah, I think childhood, those early sort of um, period of life, not as early as say the uh, maybe psychoanalytic perspective might might take, which would be in the very early years of life. Um, but I would say certainly through the um, up till mid-adolescence I would say they're very very formative years to where people's behaviors could become um, shaped by their development of a self-concept at that at that time. Do you think anyone could develop these thoughts? I think it I think it's possible but not inevitable that everybody would um, so you know I think the social environment does play a very very significant role um, it's absolutely the case that genes and genetics are important in who we are, but absolutely also the um, the social environment means that most of us could probably do some pretty destructive things if we were to be exposed to the kinds of environments in which uh, take us in that direction. I think there are sort of instances where maybe you might see people who for some reason or other are able to find a way to protect themselves from really adverse circumstances and really adverse situations. A lot of studies about um, serial killers, um, you know, surviving from traumas and sexual abuse or with their family. Do you think that this causes damage to, to the brain that could cause like maybe like a disorder to happen? I'm not familiar with those sorts of neuroscience studies, so I'll just sort of say that to begin with. But um, I am, um, you know, uh, aware of studies that have shown that our social environments can definitely 
uh, shape uh, uh, you know um, organic development let's say so the, the way in which the brain works the way in which um, our bodies respond um, to our environments so yeah I think that it's possible that there could be significant changes in the development of people as a result of their environments that you might be able to say oh if you had the right equipment or something you could say all right look at that you know there's something different in that person however i do remember seeing something um uh some years ago where there was a study that looked at certain brain structures and said that they were less well developed in uh people who had committed more serious crimes than uh in in others but then i think there are other studies that look the other way as well and say well there are people out there who haven't committed any serious crimes and killed anyone but they've also got a similar sort of brain structure to that too um can't remember the name of the study too so it doesn't it's not conclusive in that in that regard but i would i would say you know as we are you know, uh, sort of biological organisms, our environments will definitely have an effect on how we develop. Um, but again, I would say that that isn't inevitable and that it doesn't mean because an environment is shaping the way that somebody is developing that that will be in a destructive direction. You know, if some if some traumatic things happen to people in life, but they have other supports available to them. Um, they have, you know, maybe some good supportive relationships, um, people they can turn to and talk to. Um, certainly from my field of, of psychotherapy, we would say if, if that was happening to a young person and they, they were able, you know, they were exposed to traumatic events in their life, but they were able to speak to a counsellor or a psychologist or something, that that could be, an important intervention that might well prevent the development in a destructive direction and and it could maintain a constructive course through life so um i think just because traumatic things happen does is it isn't possible to say oh that will have that will cause somebody to be destructive um i don't think it's as, as straightforward as that i think there are um probably many factors that all have to come together uh and sort of create almost like perfect storm if you like that uh uh might result in somebody then becoming uh yeah a very destructive person like a serial killer how do you think like people develop these thoughts so one of the one of the things that the theory that i work to in 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 the psychotherapy work that that i would do would be to say that all behaviors tend to be um, goal-directed. Um, so they're trying to achieve something, basically. Uh, and that uh, what it is that they're trying to achieve, the goals that they're trying to achieve, are based on some perception within ourselves of what our needs might be. So we're trying to basically satisfy our needs by behaving in different ways. So you might experience the need for food so the behavior you engage in would usually be to eat or something so you you, you recognize that if you have food and satisfy and, and reach that goal that that would satisfy the need for food or something 
but people might do this in let's say relationship situations as well so um, people feel and experience the need to have a friend or uh, be connected to someone so what they might do is they realize that this other person enjoys um, doing x even if you don't enjoy doing that but you want them to be your friend you might do x as well because you realize that the goal is that you'll be able to be connected or you'll be a friend. So you start to change your behavior somehow to fit in with uh, satisfying the need for friendship or connection or something, but actually doing things that you don't really uh, feel uh, sort of satisfies your other needs. So your other need might be to uh, do why, for example, um, but you would forego why in order to do X because you want to be able to meet this need of, of being connected. Now, I think you can have um, some very sort of uh, uh, probably quite uh, severe distortions in the way that we perceive the world as a result of our development in, in terms of uh, uh, this sort of emergence of a self-concept that's reinforced in many different ways over many many interactions of doing one thing on another to be able to sort of maintain our self-concept and denying other needs and doing things that other people think we want um that we think they want us to do uh in order to make us more appreciated or more liked or something um so i think that these you can't be specific in how these sort of uh, dis distortions might develop over time but it is possible to conceive that they might develop in quite a sort of uh let's say um a way in which somebody might take very very extreme action very extreme behaviors in order to be able to satisfy the need as they perceive it to be so if somebody really wanted to be close to someone um then you could see how it's quite possible that they would do something which could be very harmful to the other person or themselves in order to be able to maintain the self-concept of themselves as you know having a friend or having a a contact or a connection or being liked or being valued by somebody else um and i suppose logically you can see then how the end point to that way of thinking about people's uh way of perceiving is that they could ultimately do almost anything in order to maintain this idea of themselves uh, their self-concept so i think it develops in a in a way which was related to what we were talking about earlier um, of these interactions with uh, the social world uh, the way in which we form and develop a self-concept and then the things that we do in order to maintain that self-concept uh, that idea of ourselves as somebody who might be you know, acceptable in some ways or others. Certainly, I know that um, serial killers is like a big thing in the media. Um, why do you think there is such a fascination in it at the moment, especially with like the Jeffrey Dahmer um, series coming out? Why do you think so many people are interested in, wanted to know, like, um, you know, the mind of these people? That's a really good question. I mean, I'm not sure, but I, I mean, I would say maybe, maybe because it's, it's the sort of people are you know so horrified by what one person can do to another 
we like to think of it is it is that it's perhaps only something other people would do or could do or something and maybe we want to we want to find out about them by watching these tv shows or reading books so in order to make us feel different to them or something that uh you know that's them not me or something like that so maybe there's a a sense of wanting to um understand in order to be uh f- feel more reassured that they're different or that they're, they're sort of less human uh or something that um yeah that couldn't possibly be me or something like that so maybe there's something about people's interests in regard to yeah wanting to feel that that's just so awful it couldn't possibly be me that would be that person or something and uh so maybe that's part of it and maybe there's something in in um human nature to be um you know inquisitive and uh curious about um other human beings you know i guess if we're as as a sort of species uh naturally inclined to be relational and connected to others in our species when we see that sort of behavior which is really at the extreme end of destructiveness for for, for humans to, human to human um yeah maybe people want to understand i think that's an interesting case example the 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 jeffrey dharma one that you that you've mentioned um some of the things i was saying earlier on i, I was actually thinking about that uh, that that uh, tv show that's recently been out where he was seemed so desperate for connection and for human contact that um you know, he would go so far as to kill somebody in order to be close to them. I mean, that seems quite an extreme step to take, but it's also quite understandable, maybe, theoretically, if, um, yeah, if that was part of his motivation. And of course, we'll never know. So, um, but it's sort of speculating here, I guess, about that, using theory to try and understand something. So what makes a serial killer a serial killer? Well, um, I have looked at a case with Jeffrey Dahmer, who um, his childhood has played a big part into why um, he, he was the way he is. So his mother had a history of mental illness. Um, he was reportedly had a, he was a victim of sexual abuse and his to- his parents had a toxic relationship which he had to grow up in and his parents neglected him um his father disapproved of his sexuality and i feel like this all played a role into his um adult life and the way he became
Hi, you're listening to Neon Nottingham, the only podcast in Nottingham dedicated to showcasing students' work. To keep up to date with all the new episodes, make sure you follow us on here and over on Insta at neon underscore Nottingham. So there is a study, um, I got this from the BBC, um, that 30% of men have the so-called um, warrior gene, and the, the gene is only triggered, um, crucially, it depends on your childhood. Do you think childhood is a massive part of your adult life, and do you think that reflects on um, how you act in your adult life? Yeah, I mean, I can't comment directly on on this this particular uh study because i haven't read it but i do know that uh um certainly from within my own theoretical understanding and my own work as a psychotherapist that yes childhood is is a really important part of people's development um and really does contribute substantially to to who we are when we grow up and and get older and um yeah, and sort of become adults. The one thing I would say, though, is that I don't think, um, from my my perspective, the way I approach this is that it may be true that for some people things happen to them in childhood, which mean, you know, they can never um, become, let's say, entirely safe or something to 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 to, to be around. That may that may well be true. However, I'd say in the vast majority of instances i've encountered people do show the potential for change and for growth and for development but i guess that's always going to be relative to uh what's happened to the person the circumstances that they were in the environments that they lived in um and the scope and the possibility for change in regards to how long um that may take and come down on the more optimistic side that the change is always possible but also you have to be realistic and think it might not be possible enough that you know people who were very unsafe to be around others would would be okay to be around others i'm I'm not sure that that that's necessarily true um but I, i tend to think that most people can change to some degree so as a um psychologist um what would like what would you tell someone who um like wants to know into the mind of killers um it isn't an area that i've studied but i would definitely suggest reading would be one of the best things is is to find um books that are published by um psychologists and um uh journal article papers so from um the published literature that's been peer reviewed you can you can get a quite a sort of reliable um uh and well informed understanding of what's known currently um about that group of people from from within the psychology discipline as i say it's not it's not my area specifically but i would definitely say if people want to learn about that 
they should they should invest some time in reading about it um, and get some books from the library or go to the library and access some journals if you can about um, studies that have been done and uh, ask the kinds of questions that you've been asking today but maybe maybe looking at those within the literature and seeing seeing how the literature might answer those questions. Overall, um, if you could pick one, would you say it's they are born that way or it develops? You know, in, in psychology, we sort of refer to that as um, the nature-nurture question. I would say it's almost definitely a bit of both. I think it's inevitable that our organic uh, structure and predisposition, genetic predispositions probably have pretty big effect but um, I couldn't say how much because that's not my area. I definitely think that environment, so the nurture bit of it, does have an effect on people um, and I feel like I've seen that, not in regards to serial killers, but I, just, I see that sort of all the time. I think, you know, you can, you can meet people and ask them to talk about stuff and very quickly they're talking about why they feel that they're like that and they can show that they have quite a bit of insight into how they understand that they've developed and what their um, earlier experiences were like and, and it doesn't take long I think for people to be able to make sense of that so I definitely think environment has a has an effect and I would say I, I believe but I couldn't be sure that uh, there is to some extent the potential to have um, you know, some sort of genetic uh, influence on, on our behaviours as well. Um, overall, I think that if I had to choose between are they born that way or does it develop, I feel like um, their childhood plays a massive part into it and I feel like that um, really like makes you are as a person in your adult life. So I'd have to pick childhood over anything else.
Thank you for watching this podcast. If you would like to know more, then there's loads of websites out there that you can look into this. Um, David said about how um, you can read books on this. There's loads of articles and everything if you're interested. And yeah, thank you for watching.